Welcome back to the Lydia McGrew channel. I have a lot of irons in the fire these days, so I decided to make a somewhat informal video this time. Dress down, a windbreaker, and uh, you know, I'm not gonna agonize over the video or the, uh, the audio and get it just perfect or anything like that. Um, and I also decided to make it a little more personal, a little more devotional. Um, rather than trying to come up with heavier content, more academic content. I want to stress, I am not a pastor, nor do I play one on YouTube. So what I'm giving you here comes out of my own experience. I'll throw in one epistemology point, um, and I hope it's helpful, even though it's a little more personal. So I'm going to be talking today about three responses to my chronic pain that I find myself bouncing between. Three responses that I know are, uh, let's just say, less than ideal in my relationship with God. Uh, and, and everything that I say here is predicated upon the assumption that I have argued for elsewhere, Tim has argued for elsewhere, many people have, that there is evidence, even overwhelming, strong evidence for the existence of a loving and just God. So what I'm giving you here is, um, is not additional evidence, okay? Um, and so that's why, in a sense, what I'm giving you here is more directed toward those who already agree that there is such evidence, but all of us, uh, including those of us who are committed to that, are going to face tough times in our lives. Uh, and since this will be put out on YouTube, of course, it will be publicly available to those who don't agree that there is overwhelming evidence for the existence of a loving and just God. And hopefully they can see how, um, how we Christians try to deal with it and be real and be honest when, when things are really rough and are hard to understand. Um, as most of you know, I, for, for two years now, a little more than two years, I've suffered from uh, chronic severe pain, uh, tailbone pain, and so forth, and other functional issues that arose extremely abruptly. I went from healthy to very sick in a very short time in spring of 2021, um, and have not been able to solve that. And a lot of times I can't even think at all. And this is one reason why I ask for uh, videos that I do. I prefer them to be pre-recorded rather than live because sometimes I just need a break all of a sudden. So what you find when you're in severe pain that is hard to distract yourself from is that you can't always control your attitudes and your thoughts and so forth. You, it's, it's not just a matter of willpower. And there are these three attitudes toward God that I find myself bouncing around between. I want to bring this to you because I think it's a it's a thing that those of you who suffer, and I don't just mean physically, I mean with um, you know mental health issues or uh, grief, the loss of a loved one, or loneliness, or whatever it might be, you may recognize. And sometimes just hearing someone else say that they struggle with these things as well can be helpful in its own way. The first one is really obvious resentment. 
I mean, you know, how much do I need to elaborate on that? I've realized it's it's really important not to be glib when we talk to someone who is suffering. <clears throat> Don't say to someone who is suffering, hey, you know, um, God isn't just your your old grandpa, you know, or you're not just God's pet, you know, God really cares about your character and um, he wants to uh, to make you something greater, something better. Um, you know, he's just not trying to ha just make you happy all the time, you know, to make it sound like what, what we're asking for when we're tempted to resent God is a completely trouble-free life. Um, or something that's not fitting to to the dignity of man. Like, uh, yeah, I just want God to treat me like his pet. But after all, the Bible encourages us to call God Father. Jesus said, fear not, you're of more value than many sparrows. And and he, he said that the Father loves Jesus' followers himself. You know, the Father loves you. Now, let's let's face it. How many of us who are parents, if we saw our child in in terrible pain for no obvious immediate benefit, would not fix that, right? Now, the obvious answer is of course that sometimes people whose children are ill have to allow them to go through painful treatments of some kind if there's no other way to you know to save their lives or whatever and that's probably the the best analogy that god as the father knows something that we don't know about what our souls really need and i believe that that's where the evidence for christianity has to be very strong you know to allow us to have faith that that's the case but still it's tough and and your your thought on a day-to-day -day basis is you know god why don't you fix this why why don't you fix this well when you feel resentment then you feel guilty right so uh you want to get beyond that resentment and then there's the next pitfall the next thing that you can fall into what do most of us do when a friend lets us down or doesn't show up or ghosts us in, in the contemporary idiom, just stops answering our texts or our emails. And, um, you know, and we've all had this happen. Somebody just cuts you out of their life and doesn't seem to be there when you need them. What do we do? Well, we, uh, we usually try to forgive them, right? But what makes it easiest to forgive them, let's admit it, is that you just stop thinking about them altogether. You become indifferent. Time passes, you reach the acceptance stage, so-and-so is no longer my friend, um, and I, you know, I wish so-and-so well, have a good life, so-and-so, but I realize you're not part of my life anymore. Goodbye, right? And, and so then you get past that, that agonizing resentment. You just, I mean, the, the fact that you really are angry at someone and find yourself tempted to hate that person is in in a way a sign it can be a sign that you still actually love that person that that person's still important to you and so if you're if you're saying to yourself i need to let go of this i need to move on what does that usually amount to right indifference so the next temptation is indifference um 
I'm not supposed to hate God. I'm not supposed to be mad at God. I'm not supposed to resent God. Okay, fine. I, I just won't expect anything from God anymore. Bye, God. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a Christian, but, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not expecting any real help from that quarter. Okay. And, and that's obviously not what we're called to as Christians either. We're supposed to, um, we're supposed to love God. You know, we're not just supposed to be indifferent to him. We're supposed to come to him and pray. Think of him as our loving father, right? So, you know, the measure of the extent to which we think of him as our loving father may be the extent to which we're angry at him because we feel like he's not acting as our loving father. He's not helping. Um, so those two things are warring. And sometimes the farther away you move from resentment, the closer you move to indifference. Okay, so you say, oh, no, no, I'm not supposed to do that. That's not right. So what's the third temptation? The third temptation is superstition. Uh, it's my fault. I didn't say the right words when I asked God to help me. Um, I was not um, respectful enough when I asked God to help me. Maybe I was supposed to be anointed with a different special kind of oil. Um oh man, my friends invited me to this healing service and I didn't go because it was an hour and a half away and I didn't feel like I could physically handle the pain of the, the trip. Maybe that was God, you know, and he, was, he would have fixed it and I just didn't go to that healing service. My fault, I screwed up. And, um, and there's, there's a kind of superstition in that as though um, God's requiring you to, to, to utter a certain spell or something you know, to ask in just a certain way. And, and if not, you know, you miss the boat, right? Um, when the 104th person wrote to me with a suggestion of a naturopathic remedy, maybe that time it was a message from God. The other 103 times were not, and it looked just like the other 103 times, but maybe this time I was supposed to, uh, you know, go accept that remedy, go try that remedy or whatever, you know, maybe I just, I, I missed it. I missed the message from God that he was going to try to heal me. And so it's my fault. Uh, okay. Now I'm not resentful. Now I'm not indifferent, but I'm, I'm sort of blaming myself and I'm looking around for some way that I can, uh, you know, catch that and fix it. Um, and, and I think that's completely inappropriate. And, and of the three temptations, I guess I would say, that third one is the one that I struggle with the least. I would say resentment is the one I struggle with the most. And then indifference is kind of somewhere in between. And, uh, you know, indifference and resentment, you can have this kind of sullen, you know, I don't care. You know, kind of sullen indifference that uh, tends toward resentment as well. But, but there can be that temptation like, oops, you know, did I just miss something? And I don't think that's right. I, I don't think the Bible encourages us to believe that uh, God wants us to try to get him to heal us or help us by doing it in just this certain way. And unless we can read his mind and do it in just this certain way, he's, he's not going to heal us. Um, that's, a, it's a, that's a whole topic in and of itself. Now, just by bringing these out, I'm hoping to help someone in a way to say that, you know, if, if someone who's committed to the defense of the Christian faith can struggle with this, it's, it's okay to struggle with it. 
Um, so one application of this is, you know, be careful when when you're talking to someone who's really suffering, um, not to make uh, analogies that sound downplaying, like, well, you're not God, God's pet. That was one I saw recently. Nobody said it to me, but I, I saw it quoted. Um, the second application would just be that God knows all those thoughts going through my head anyway. So, you know, I might as well place myself in his presence and bring them to him very consciously. And uh, it's okay to just say help, you know. I don't know what to think. Help. I don't know how to feel. I can't really control that. Please help. Um, a brief epistemological point. So this is your this is your geeky Easter egg in the middle of this. Um, it is not the case that every instance of the existential problem of evil or even the evidential problem of evil is a separate independent strike against Christian theism. It's not like, you know, what I'm suffering is one completely independent strike against Christian theism. And then here's this other person over here whose child just died in terrible pain. And that's a separate, you know, one. And, and here's this other person who's also in, uh, in pain and, and doesn't seem to have, you know, done anything to deserve it. And that's another one. Um, rather, these things, they're going to fall under categories. And when evidence falls under categories, then the true answer to one item in that category is likely to also be the true answer to another item in that category. Okay, so, you know, without, without being too probabilistically geeky, my point is that um, the true explanation, like soul making, for example, which is probably why God is allowing me to go through this is probably also why God is allowing a lot of other people to go through what they're going through. Although what that will look like in each person's case is going to be slightly different. But we shouldn't think that we're, we're putting, you know, that it's like this cumulative case against theism without limit. These things tend to, um, they, they approach a limit. Uh, just as certain kinds of confirmation approaches a limit, certain type kinds of disconfirmation approaches a limit. So I just wanted to, to throw that out there, that even when you're taking the uh, evidential problem of evil seriously, that doesn't mean that every item is an independent item of evidence against. Um, okay, and the third, the third application is kind of a theological thing. I don't consider myself a Calvinist, and some Calvinists think that if you're not a Calvinist, you're automatically a Pelagian. You think that you work for your salvation, you get your salvation by works. It's, it's like Arminianism is, a, is nothing. It's, it's not a thing. It disappears. You automatically go over to, to Pelagianism. Um, and I've, I've definitely come to perceive that that's not the case in a pretty vivid way, because the more that I've suffered, the more that I've been unable to entirely control my own thoughts and feelings about God, my only my own relationship with God, the more vividly has uh, come home to me the truth of a verse like, uh, no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. 
No man is able to pluck them out of my hand. Um, we are persuaded, Paul says in Romans 8, that uh, nothing shall separate us from the love of Christ. Um, and it, I think it's precisely when it comes to pain or torture or the things that the, the devil would want to use to separate us from Christ where we don't want to be separated from Christ. And we're, we're crying out to him for help. And that's where those verses really come into their own. Um, we're not saved by works of righteousness. We're not saved by ourselves. Ultimately, my salvation depends on Jesus holding on to me, not me holding on to Jesus and going, see what a great job I did holding on to Jesus. Um, and the, the more you realize your own weakness, the more you realize that's true. Um, I don't think, I don't think that's me becoming a Calvinist either, but I think it's just realizing exactly the kinds of circumstances where those assurances of salvation really come into their own, where they're really something that you hold on to and where you just realize more and more vividly that it's, it's all of God. You know, if there's any, if there's any courage in me, I'm not, I'm not seeing it. It's, it's coming from him. It's coming from above. It's a good gift. Um, and, and the fact that he makes the beauty of the spring that I'm out there in right now and uses that to help to that itself is a gift from him. So those are my three temptations in pain and, uh, not any really original insights to answer them, but just something that I hope will be helpful to those of you out there. And if you're not a believer I hope that in some way it will be helpful to see how um, really committed believers try to handle these things and be honest about them. I hope next time to be back with something a little more uh, contentful, a little more epistemological, and more like the usual content on this channel. In the meanwhile, feel free to browse the archives and have a great week. I'm Lydia McGrew.